Hidden Mana Podcast listeners. This is our third episode, and we are just kind of digging into it and getting ready to go here in a few minutes. My name is Ben Grimm. Sitting across from me is Hal Jordan. And now that we're on our third episode, we want you guys to start reaching out, asking questions, and inquiring with us if you have anything that is not making sense. We're here for you guys as a resource. Email address is hiddenmanapodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Hidden Mana Podcast, and we look forward to communicating with you. We want to have good, open debates, but you know, right now, it's go time for us, so... We'll actually start off with Acts 2, 1 through 4, where it kind of goes into talking about tongues of fire, and it kind of picks up where we left off last podcast talking about everyone must be baptized with fire, which is Matthew 3, 1, 11, where it kind of just briefly says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So now jumping on into this podcast, we're going to just hit the ground running because we got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. Your time is precious. Your time is valuable. So our first verse to kick us off is Acts 2, 1 through 4, New King James Version. How kind of briefly re- referenced it last podcast, but we didn't get a chance to read it. So I want to make sure that you understood how important this verse is to the rest of our podcast today. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, to begin, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So kick us off, Hal. So, um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, uh, this is a very symbolic incident. Um, As far as I know, this is the only time in the Bible where it says that flames of fire appeared on the heads of the disciples. But it was the first time when it was pointed out that they were more or less baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this fulfills the verse that Ben started out with in Matthew chapter 3, that everyone must be baptized with fire. So we have, this is a totally literal picture of that happening. They're being baptized with fire. There's fire on their heads. They're like little candles running around, speaking in tongues. And um, um, that symbolizes that God's intention is to baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you a little peek ahead. God will baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit. Everyone will be set on fire. Everyone will be purified. And that is what Peter talked about when he said that the entire world, or in fact the entire cosmos, or the entire universe, is being held in reservation to be purified by fire and created anew or made new, recreated. That doesn't mean that it's going to be literally destroyed. It just means that everyone who 
has a mind, everyone who is sentient will be cleansed and purified. And then uh, as a result, the whole universe will be purified as if it was with fire. That is quite the promise. It is. It's a wonderful promise. Kind of gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling like when you pee your pants. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't want to do that. Not today. So it's really kind of one of those things, all joking aside, to where, you know, nobody likes the thought of being lit on fire. But it's kind of like when you get really excited about something, really kind of fired up and just excited to be doing something, you kind of get that fire in your belly to where it's like, I just want to run out and scream to the top of the lungs. This is phenomenal. I want to do this. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, last uh, weekend on Saturday night. I went to the uh, University of Oregon football game where they beat, um, or I didn't actually go. This was I, I was at the I was watching them beat Stanford on TV. I was at the University of Oregon football game where they beat Cal the week before. But uh, the whole crowd is just totally on their feet, screaming at the top of their lungs. They're all excited. How come this doesn't happen in church? <laughs> you know, but it happens at every football game or every yeah. sports event. You know, people get excited and they yell and they scream and they kind of let their hair down. But in church, everybody's got to be all um, staid and proper and quiet. And, you know, if they do anything, well, if, unless you're charismatic, you know, that then you can get away with jumping up and down and shouting. But um, in most churches, that doesn't happen. Well, you know, one of Christ's first miracles involved, involved wine, so... Oh, yeah. The first miracle was him turning water into wine, so I think sometimes... We might need a concession stand at church to get people a little libation to kind of... That's a great idea. I never thought of that. (laughs) Take down some of their barriers and let them loosen up a little bit. I think that's what actually happens at the football games is people have a little too much beer. Um, But uh, one of the things that we wanted to transition into was what is hell? So we have the tongues of fire... And we've related fire with purification and then fire with the lake of fire, which is also purification. And most people um, that I talk to about can Satan be saved, Google that. You will find no one believes that Satan can be saved. Now, that's not no one because we obviously believe it. But uh, if you if you find... Um, the Bible studies uh, or the or the commentaries or comments on um, websites, uh, almost everyone argues in the negative that Satan can be saved. And one of the verses they use is Revelation uh, chapter twenty, verse fifteen or verse ten, which says that the uh, devil will be cast into the lake of fire. And as in, as we explained in the previous podcast, that means that he will be baptized in the sea. I really wish they would just put in here saying, like in that verse, the devil was cast into the lake of a cleansing fire. Yes, but you know, you have to realize that God has uh, held back this information for a reason, and that's because he wants the people to grow to a certain point. Our society has grown um, in part because of technology and in part because of... um, just the, the, the way knowledge grows exponentially. Uh, and now we're at a point where we have the internet and this podcast 
goes out on the internet and it can go throughout the entire world which that never used to be possible but the internet is a wonderful way for us to communicate with all all other people and English as a matter of fact is probably the most widely known language other than you know probably more people know Chinese but a lot of the Chinese know know English too um, and so this language uh, is a, is a means of communication throughout the entire world, and we hope that this podcast will be accessible for uh, the entire world. And um, so what we want to do is we want to share a little bit about what is hell, because as I explained earlier uh, in the last podcast, there is such a thing as hell. It is a real problem that we want to avoid and Jesus said it would be better if you cut off your hand or plucked out your eye than to um, enter into Gehenna which is the fire with this kind of sin on you and um, what did he mean by that so I'm gonna and, um, have... I think it's pretty important to know also to where Anybody listening to this needs to forget what Sunday school taught them of what the devil and what hell is. Yes, absolutely. It's not a guy in red spandex pants with little red horns and a pitchfork running around in a fiery underbelly of the earth with little mini demons dancing around singing Kumbaya. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, we'll do this in another study but I just want to put this out for you guys to wonder about. Is Satan a human being? Are angels human beings? And I will tell you, yes, they are. And I will prove that in a future podcast. But as of now, you need to be aware. Satan is no different than we are. He's just thousands of years older than we are. He has all of that knowledge and experience. He's a brilliant being. He was created to be the first high priest of heaven. And he still considers himself the high priest, which is why the demons follow him. Um, and, uh, but he, the Bible does describe him dressed in the garbs of a high priest. So we know that he was a high priest in heaven, but that he was cast out when sin was found in him. If you want to get into that, um, uh, both Ezekiel and Isaiah describe Satan prior to his fall. So you can read there what, that, um, what he was like before the fall. And so in Isaiah chapter 66, it talks about what Jesus described, and we thought he was talking about hell, but was he really? Ben, would you read that? I got it for you. So Isaiah 66, 23 through 24, New King James Version says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So this verse is very confusing. Um, uh, except if you just take it totally literally. 
But when you have to look at it from the perspective of from what we are describing, that the fire is a purifying event, then we have to unpack this verse a little bit. And I'm going to tell you right up front, the the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, meaning God, uh, are what we call our old selves. They are the corpses. So when you die to yourself, you crucify yourself. You're crucified with Christ. And so you're dead. Your old self is dead. And that is the corpse that all flesh is looking back on, looking into their past, and they see their old self on fire, being purified, which means being forgiven, and that will happen forever. So when we're in our resurrected state, we will still remember our old selves, what we were like. I still remember what I was like before I was a Christian, and I was a nasty little guy. Um, uh, and I think back and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was like that, or I can't believe I was doing that kind of stuff. And that's what it is for you to look back on your old self and say, wow, I'm really bothered by that. That really, that really hurts me to think that I could do that to someone or that I could be that way. And, um, and so um, <clears throat> when we do that, it is an abhorrence to us. And so everyone will have an old self because everyone will eventually be saved. And so all flesh will have an abhorrence to their old self. So the other point that I need to make here is that it says, all flesh shall come to worship before me, which means all people, all angels, because angels, as I just mentioned, are human beings. So all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So if all flesh is worshiping before the Lord, then who is left for these corpses to be? There aren't any corpses. It's the old self. It's the old spiritual self that has been crucified with Christ. So that is what it means. And in fact, crucifixion is often represented by being the fire. And that is what the menorah in the Old Testament temple symbolized. The Old Testament menorah was a almond tree which had um, candles or fires on it, and it symbolized the cross which was the time when Christ was basically burning for us. He was dying, and that was the fire. That's the ultimate fire that we're looking at. It is symbolized by the menorah. So if you take a look at a menorah in um, you know, an encyclopedia or something, you'll see that it is an almond tree. And we'll get into that sometime in the future. It's a beautiful symbol that goes all the way through from Aaron's staff to the cross of Christ. And it's a wonderful, wonderful symbol to examine. But here we have in Isaiah 66, the first picture of hell. And what is hell? I'm telling you, it is kind of your conscience burning, bothering you for all of eternity because you will always remember your sins that you commit in this life. 
And that's why Jesus said it's better for you to pluck your eye out and to cut your hand off than to have these memories of all this sinfulness in your life that can cause you to regret. Well, and kind of like one of the things we've talked about many times in our studies and our conversations is that unquenching fire and that inability to basically satisfy your thirst and kind of what that does to symbolize hell. And it's kind of like if you eat a habanero pepper and all you have is water, no matter what you do drinking that water, it does not get rid of that fire. It does not get rid of that heat. It's an unquenchable fire that's in your mouth that you cannot get rid of. All those oils in your mouth are just coated over your taste buds. And it's to me, that's kind of like a symbolism of what hell will be like. Or going to a Chinese restaurant and eating too much MSG and you just cannot stop drinking enough water because you're so thirsty. That's a good analogy. I like the, uh, I like the uh, pepper analogy that uh, your tongues are coated with the oil and you can't quench it. Um, but it's remember, it's in your mind. And I always like to uh, uh, bring you know, people to a point of understanding how serious hell is and how everyone will experience it to a certain effect. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, everyone will be salted with fire because everyone will have some regrets from their life here on earth uh, because we all sin. And, um, you know, Hitler obviously is going to have a lot more regrets than, uh, say, Mother Teresa, although Mother Teresa had her problems. (laughs) Um, But uh, Jesus's point was, you know, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, don't commit these sins that your hands and your eyes cause you to do, whether it's lust or stealing or what have you. Uh, don't do those things because that's going to bother you forever. And you don't want to have that because those kind of regrets are like being depressed. If you've ever been really depressed or really worried or anxious about anything, you know how how it totally saps your energy and it actually makes you want to commit suicide or do something crazy. Um you know, maybe even kill someone or, or, you know, something like that, something, you know, illogical. Uh, and that is what hell is like. Hell is that serious. It can be so depressing that you want to end your life. The promise is that you don't have to have that depression. You don't have to have that guilt. You don't have to have that anxiety because Jesus will take it away. And, um, and that will happen for everybody eventually. I think it's important to speak to also to where hell is different for everybody in a, in a sense. Everybody has their own hell. Some people, their hell is public speaking and having to stand in front of a crowd of 500 and talk. And that is their hell. Some people, other people, their hell is depression. And it's kind of one of those things to where each person experiences their own individual hell in their own way. But the beauty behind it is with a relationship with Christ, it makes it to where you don't have to face that hell alone. You don't have to go through the fires of the valley alone. And you have somebody to walk with you. That's the beauty of the burning bush. The burning bush is like the menorah. The burning bush symbolizes the menorah. 
The burning bush symbolizes the cross of Christ hanging on the cross with his arms outstretched, saying, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Put your sins on my shoulder and let me carry them. Yes. So you can see how those symbols that we've just described all tie together. They're so beautiful. And, um, but it does have to do with hell. And this is why Jesus said, everyone must be salted with fire. Because it is his fire. It's his cross. It's his burning bush. It's his menorah that is being offered to everyone. Let's get into another Bible verse. I know we kind of are getting deep and getting heavy and stuff, but I think it's very important for all of us to realize to where we all individually struggle every day as I knock some stuff over and make a giant obnoxious noise of our unprofessional podcasting. Um, but in all seriousness, Hebrews 12, 28 through 29, um, it really kind of talks about um, God is the consuming and cleansing fire. So, It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So this verse really sums up what we're saying is that it is God who is the fire. And um, that was pictured at the burning bush when... Uh, the angel of the Lord, who was Jesus himself, by the way, um, was pictured in a bush, or we could say it was a tree, because it was big enough to hold the angel of the Lord, who was a person. So it was a fairly big bush, and it was burning. And the symbol foretold the agony that Christ would suffer on the cross, which is also called a tree. Get it? Shrubbery. Shrubbery. (laughs) (laughs) A little Monty Python reference. Um, You know, I think it's also one of those things to where this verse has hope in it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's one thing that I always remind myself of. A relationship with Christ gives hope. Totally. It gives you hope that there is something better. Right. Without Christ, your hell is faced alone. And the beauty is, it says that our God is a consuming fire, which means that our sins are consumed by the fire. Who is God? So, uh, George MacDonald wrote a sermon, um, which you can get online, and it is called, Our God is a Consuming Fire. And if you read that sermon, you'll get the gist of this whole idea that Uh, the devil will be thrown into this consuming fire and his sins will be consumed and he will and he will be uh, uh, come out of that fire and he will be lucifer he will be the one who is called the light bearer he will be purified he will be restored to his role believe it or not as the high priest of heaven now jesus is our new high priest and that's because there are two high priests in the jewish system. One is the king, who is the king priest, and the other is the high priest, who is the religious leader. But there are two priests. Jesus is the king priest. Satan is the high priest. I know you're going to burn me. 
at the stake for this, but that symbolizes the consuming fire, so I'm okay with that. And how many pillars are at the temple? Two. Supporting the ceiling and the roof of heaven? Yep. That's so, uh, very, very, very symbolic. Um, I mean, we just keep going down rabbit trails. I know it, I know We it. just keep throwing them little nuggets of truth out to them, and well, hopefully they're we getting hope them. That, we hope that piques their interest and keeps them, uh, keeps them tuning in to find out what we're going to talk about next, we crazy superheroes that we are. Well, I think it's one of those things for us to where there is so many hidden truths in the Bible that spending an hour on a podcast is just not enough time. And we really will need to challenge all of our listeners to use these lessons and these studies as a springboard into their own studies and into their own discoveries. And like we talked about in our first podcast, where we don't have all the answers, we're just presenting the information on a platter like Alfred the butler and saying, here you go, have your tea and crumpets, and if you want to enjoy it, you can. But take it for what it is and make your own discoveries. Yeah, we our intention is to put the cookies on the lower shelf. And uh, we think that, um, you know, the podcast in this fairly informal way uh, helps people to just kind of tune in. If, if they want to listen to it again, they can listen to it again. If they want to take notes, they can slow down the speed or whatever they want to do. Um, I would recommend that if they tune in in the, in the, you know on podcast number three, like this one is, that they go back to podcast number one and start from the beginning and just kind of follow us as we proceed through this whole series of studies, which will kind of build one upon another, we hope. Um, and uh, so the next step is, uh, again, dealing with priests, and dealing with fire, and what does fire have to do with priests? And I feel who are like the we priests? keep. I feel like we keep abusing all the priests out there. I know we love the priests, all you Jewish priests, all you Catholic priests. Uh, we love you, all you pastors. We love you, um, but uh, the thing that we have to bear in mind, and we want to communicate, uh, being the Protestants that we are, we believe that we are all priests, and that is what uh, it says in. First Peter two chapter or First Peter chapter two verses four through five. We are all priests, and we'll study that next. But in Malachi, Ben, chapter three verses one through three. What does it say about the priests, the Levites? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So here we have a verse specifically about the Levites who are the priests of the Old Testament, and it says that he will uh, purify them like a launderer or a refiner or a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. So 
Immediately, it's uh, before that, it says, He is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. In other words, the fire is a purifying thing. It's like soap. It cleans you. It makes you pure. And so the priests, who are everybody, as I just said, will be purified. And so this will happen at the end of the time, which we're going to talk about later on. And everyone will come to Christ. And as we've said many, many times, that includes Satan. Because Satan was the original priest. We'll talk about that some other time. That might be a couple podcasts worth of information to discuss. Because Absolutely. I know for a fact we would definitely get sidetracked on that one. <laughs> um. So let's go into another verse here. Let's jump into 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, New King James Version. And it says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer us spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this is the verse where, or one of the verses where the Protestants get their doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Whereas the Catholics, for example, you know, put a very special uh, honor to the priests and call them father and uh, treat them as exalted people. And I think they deserve to be honored and they deserve to be respected. But um, Martin Luther and the ones who followed after him said, every bun is a priest. Every husband is a priest. Every wife is a priest. Every child who believes in Christ is a priest. We're all priests. And so when we talk about the cleansing of the priests, as we did back in Malachi chapter 3, it's talking about everybody, not just talking about the Jewish priests. It's they are included. They're a part of it. Yes, absolutely. But it's talking about everyone. Did you guys catch that? Everyone. Yes. So let's uh, let's talk about everyone in Second Peter chapter three, verse seven, and also verses ten through twelve. Benjamin, can you read that for us? But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? All right. This now, is one to unpack. <laughs> this one is way too literally interpreted. I'm sorry. For all you Hal Lindsayites out there, I used to be one of you. Uh, this is so misinterpreted. Um, 
in light of everything we've been talking about, how fire is a cleansing element, and that is alluded to in this. It says that uh, that these that our world, and when it says world, it's not talking about the trees and the rocks and the rivers and the lakes. It's talking about the people in the world. It's talking about uh, the, the sentient beings that are associated, and not just the world, but the entire cosmos. Because usually in the uh, New Testament, when the word world appears, it is actually a translation of the world of the Greek word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, which means the entire created order, which means the entire multiverse. We call it a multiverse now because we think there are many dimensions and there's an infinite number of, uh, of uh, you know, places and spaces and planets and stars and there is just we we can't comprehend how absolutely infinite our God is. Um, so the whole multiverse is reserved for fire, which means it will be purified. Everyone will come to Christ. Jesus is the burning bush. He is the one who will purify everyone, and that is symbolized by the menorah, as we have talked about. To all you Jewish people, I want you to take a look at the burning bush. Take a look at the menorah and take a look at the cross. They all symbolize each other. And it's a beautiful, beautiful tie-in. So we are looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. That is something that, say, our Muslim friends, uh, you know, ISIS right now is trying to um, promote the apocalypse. They want to see the forces of Christianity come to battle with the forces of Islam because they think that will hasten the coming of the seventh imam. So they want to see the end of the world, so to speak. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a new world, a purified world, a Christianized world where everybody comes to Christ. And the Bible tells us that will happen. That's what this verse is talking about. That's the hope of it. So that's why we can look for and hasten the coming of the day of God. Because the kingdom of God is coming, and it is up to us as his disciples, as his children, as his soldiers, as his servants, to hap let that happen. And we're not to do it like the terrorists who are trying to um, uh, you know, impose their belief system on other people. We are supposed to convince people. And... Uh, lovingly serve them and help them to understand. And that's why we're doing this podcast is so that people can understand that these verses that have been mistranslated, I'm sorry, they have been mistranslated by all our Christian forebears, not all of them, but many of them. And, um, and so we need to unpack them and help people to understand them in a new light. And so I think that's why we call this hidden manna is because this is hidden. This is something that's been concealed. Jesus said there would be hidden manna. And this is it, folks. We're showing it to you. So here we have uh, this particular passage, which I'm getting a little excited about, um, because most people, including Hal Lindsey, take it too literally. This is not going to be a literal destruction and melting of the earth. It's going to be a conversion of all the people in it, a conversion of all the angels. Yes, they need to be converted. A conversion of all the demons. 
So this means that everyone will come to Christ and believe in Christ and have faith in Christ. So that is what the purification by the fire. That's why it says that everything is reserved for fire. And I think it's very important to note with this to where with the cleansing fire and the quote, quote, I wish I had video to where I could do the Eric quotes for people. Destruction of the church is not a matter of like a physical destruction to where there's any crumbling buildings. It's going to be to where we all put down our guards, put down our walls saying my religion's the best. This religion's the best. My denomination of Christianity is the truth. And start looking at it as, do you believe in Christ? Yeah. Okay, we're brothers. Stop fighting about it. And I think that's the importance to where we need to put down our arms and start supporting each other and not working against each other as believers. I think uh, Ben and I realize that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be upset about what we're saying, and they're going to criticize us, and um, and we and we're fine with that. Um, we just think it's important that we get the word out, and we believe that once the word is out there, it's going to stay out there, and that people are going to be tuning in to this podcast forever, and uh, and be learning, um, you know, the truths as revealed in the Bible, as we're trying to explain them. And, and so we see that how awesome the symbol of fire is and how it really points to Christ's crucifixion. And um, so when we look at how uh, we are all priests and the whole world will be cleansed by fire, just like the Levites were in, in a, a passage that we read about Malachi. And, uh, and then... We wonder, okay, well, what about the judgment? What is this judgment day that uh, Peter talks about and um, uh, so many other passages mention? You know, what is this judgment that we're talking about? So I think it's, before we move on to this next verse, you know, like we talk about the hidden manna. We talk about all the hidden truths in the Bible. If all these verses were written, page 1 through 20, and the first 20 pages of the Bible... There would be no adventure. There'd be no discovery. There'd be no archaeological find to change the century, you know? Mm-hmm. By us digging in and finding all these hidden truths, all these hidden wonders and splendors within the Bible, I think it really helps to kind of define what we're doing here to where we're trying to connect all these pieces together to create this big picture. And to really explore this crazy idea. And you know there are going to be priests, there are going to be pastors out there that will just scoff at us and say, oh, they're just a hack show, fly-by-night operation that doesn't know what they're doing. But engage us, have the conversation, challenge us, ask us the questions. And we're more than willing to discuss it on future podcasts and stuff and really kind of see what other people think about what we're saying. And we want to just really stress that we're not saying we are the end-all answer to everything and that we are the supreme being. We're saying that this is an outside the Christian normal realms idea. What do you think of it? 
Yeah, we just um, were talking before the podcast that there's another podcast, and it's um, called uh, The Pastor with No Answers. And I listened to it the other night, and I thought, well, this is this is really a bunch of nothing. Why would why would someone tune into a pastor with no answers? And you know, they were being humble. They were saying we don't really understand. Um, but it is our responsibility as Christians, and especially as Christian leaders, to try to understand this. And um, I have actually written out, like for example, I have a friend. I wrote a thirty-page letter to explaining my belief system. He wouldn't even read it. So when someone, and he's a Christian leader, and when um, I've, and I've had many interactions with pastors and, and other leaders, and they won't even explore these ideas because they don't want to know, because it might endanger their income or their, or, you know, in his case, it would be his retirement because he'd probably be kicked out of the organization that he's a part of, and that would be his retirement. Um so anyway, we, we look at uh, how people like Rob Bell, for example, uh, were not really kicked out of his church, but he would, he felt pressure, I think, to Strongly leave Strongly encouraged. Yes. <laughs> and um, because he questioned the orthodoxy of the belief of hell. And, um, and so we can see firsthand, because we know Rob Bell, uh, how... Um, how people are persecuted because of their belief systems. So now... Hey, Hal, before we... Yeah. Just to kind of touch on that topic real quick. Why do we condemn those that question the answer? <laughs> well, the, uh, the people do that um, because they believe what they believe and they don't want to have to change their belief system. It's called a paradigm. A belief system is called a paradigm. And when... Uh, people buy into a paradigm. For example, I was born in the Lutheran Church, and the Lutheran Church is um, is a, a paradigm unto itself. It's kind of like the anti-Catholic, right? In, in our confirmation class, we were taught how the Catholics were wrong and the Lutherans were right, and that's the, the paradigm that we had. Well, then after I was converted to a more fundamentalist belief system than the Lutheran, you know, I became more of a fundamentalist, and that was my new paradigm. So I would look back on the Lutheran paradigm and say, oh, that was kind of old-fashioned, that was kind of stuffy, and I would be, you know, uh, a fundamentalist. And then I became a charismatic, and then that was a whole other paradigm. And so now I'm a post-millennialist, and I'm a universalist, and I'm, a, uh, I'm still a charismatic, and that's a whole other paradigm. So people have to understand, you have a belief system, you've bought into it, you understand that, you don't want to question it. I'm sorry. You need to question it. You need to hear what we're saying. You need to look up these verses. That's why we read them word for word. We give you the references. We tell you what version of the Bible we're using. We're not using our own version of the Bible. We're telling you from standard, either mostly evangelical, but also Catholic versions, because I believe the Catholics have some good translations. Um, so, uh, you know, we ask you, we beg of you to look into this. So let's get another verse thrown out here. Uh, we're kind of getting down there on time for our hour, but we got enough time for a couple more verses here. Which um, is good because that's how many we have. Hey, right on time. First Corinthians eleven thirty one, New King James Version. This is a winded verse, a long one. It says, "For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged." There's a life verse for you. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's talking about the day of judgment. Okay, we all have a day of judgment. Now, we say, yes, there will be a judgment when God will give us rewards and punishments. I'm saying it'll probably be all rewards, but, um, but uh, he, will, he will reward us for what we have done. And that's why we take what we do very seriously, because we want to do it right. And um, 1 Corinthians here, Paul says, if we, ju- excuse me, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So if you take it upon yourself to judge yourself, specifically to be baptized, specifically to die to yourself, specifically to crucify yourself, crucify yourself with Christ, that is a judgment. If you allow yourself to be crucified with Christ, that is a judgment. That's your judgment. You just judged yourself. So you are not going to be judged by God. You're going to be rewarded for what you've done. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast to where by looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, what is my hell? What is my sin? And basically doing a checks and balances of yourself. You right there are basically a God. You are doing what God wants you to do to where you need to judge yourself and be held self-accountable. Yeah, you take the place of God and you're judging yourself. And we'll get into that later, much later. I might have touched on something that was a down-the-road podcast. Oh, yeah. I hope somebody caught it. (laughs) Um, So anyway... The uh, Mormons in the audience will pick it up. Yeah. So if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. Get it? So that is the day of judgment for you personally is when you accept Christ. So the day of judgment for Satan will be when he is baptized in the lake of fire, when he accepts Christ. And there's so much scripture that indicates this. We have only begun to touch the surface. So stay tuned. So to sum this all up in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, I think Ben wants to read that for us. I feel like uh, the spiritual cup is overflowing with verses today. So oh, yeah, we have a ton of them. People might get a little bit of spiritual diarrhea from getting hit so hard. <laughs> um, so Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Yowzas! That's just what I was talking about, how we have to be dead to our old flesh. We have to allow it to be nailed to the cross. We have to crucify our old self. We have to allow it to be burned in the fire that is never quenched and the worms never die because our old self is our miserable, old, sinful self before we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. So when we look back on that, we, are, we, we see it as an abomination, as, a, as a, uh, an affront to our current mindset, our current paradigm. And so... We have to be crucified with Christ. And um, that is the uh, judgment. 
and that is the fire. Remember I said the cross is the fire. Jesus was on fire on the cross, as symbolized by the burning bush and by the menorah. So that is when we are crucified with Christ, we're up on the cross with Christ, we're on fire with Christ, we're being burned in the burning bush, we're being burned in the menorah. That's what it symbolizes. So that's our judgment. I think it's very important also to speak to, you know, to where our our crucifixion and our judgment and our baptism with Christ is not a one and done thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing battle. And it kind of talks about the worms that never die. You know, I kind of look at the worms that never die as the sins in the world. Mm -hmm. There is constantly sins that are challenging all believers, all Christians, every day. I mean, you see the stats on pastors and pornography and stuff. And everybody battles with sin. Everybody battles with their demons, with their worms that are not ceasing or dying. So... I think it's very important to kind of talk about to where it's not a one and done, like, oh, I accepted Christ, I'm sin-free, I'm good to go. I drank the Kool-Aid, I'm free. Mm-hmm. It's a constant commitment. you got to wake up every morning and be born again and make a daily commitment to follow Christ. Absolutely. I think that is one thing that is important um, uh, and Ben, you've heard me say it many times. Um, Everyone should spend a half an hour in prayer every day. I do it first thing in the morning. And uh, that is a way of me just saying, I'm here, God, do with me what you want to do. And let's go for it. And so, um, you know, I had that prayer time before I left for this podcast this morning. And we prayed before we started the podcast. And we believe in prayer. And we believe God answers prayer, so we believe that there will definitely be fruit from this podcast. So we got a couple minutes to wrap this thing up and to bring it home. What is the golden nugget that you want listeners to take out of this podcast today? Well, we kind of got here from um, the, the main objection I get. There's two verses that people use when they say that Satan cannot be saved. And that is a main point that that kind of separates us from the uh, average uh, church or Christian. And and the verse that is most commonly used is, but Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. And I said, the lake of fire is the same thing as the sea in the temple. And the sea in the temple in Revelation chapter 15 is pictured as being filled with fire. So Satan, like all of us, is going to be purified by fire. And the interesting thing is, he doesn't know that. He doesn't understand that. He doesn't get it. He's fighting it with all of his might. He doesn't believe that's a good thing. And he, the reason he doesn't believe it is because the church is supposed to teach it to him, and the church is not teaching it to him. And so... The cloud. Whole, yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about the cloud again uh, sometime. But, um, but the whole point of uh, this this last Bible study, which is about hell. Hell is the remembrance of our past sins. And that's a fairly common understanding, but most people um, uh, reject that. 
but that's really what I think it is. It is a, a remembering of our past sins is our hell. And we can get into a whole Bible study on the, on the psychology of guilt and how um, that is like a burning fire in and of itself. And, but hell is, um, is our conscience, which is burning in us. And what we want to do is purify that by allowing Christ who burned on the cross for us to take our place. And, uh, and then we want to join him and be on that cross and crucify ourselves with him. I think that was a good wrap-up. And, you know, I just think it's one of those things to where just I want to reiterate and re-encourage our listeners. Make your own discoveries. Take this information and really make your own decisions. Don't look at it as we're telling you what to believe. And don't look at it as like this is the end-all answer. This is the beginning of a lifelong discussion, a journey And I think that's what a relationship with Christ is, a journey. So that ends it for our third episode of the Hidden Mana podcast. We thank you so much for listening in. And we just appreciate all the support that we have been seeing. And it looks like we're getting a lot of listenership. So continue sharing it with your friends and family. And if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at hiddenmanapodcast.com at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at Hidden Mana Podcast. So we just appreciate so much all of your support and listenership for Hal Jordan. My name is Ben Grimm. We are signing off and until next time my friends be good, be safe and God bless everyone. <laughs>